0: abs compost stroop waffles welcome to knickknack news i'm anthony
1: and i'm alex and my first story today is health news this is from gizmodo there might now be a shortcut for getting a defined set of six-pack abs.
0: What? Really?
1: (laughs) Researchers at the University of Miami's Leonard M. Miller School of Medicine have developed a new plastic surgery technique (laughs) called abdominal etching that can reshape belly fat to make you look like you spend all your time at the gym. In... uh, (laughs) As detailed in a study recently published in the Journal of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, abdominal etching uses a more targeted approach to power-assisted liposuction, a technique where a vibrating tube connected to an aspirator removes subcutaneous fat deposits through suction. A plastic surgeon uses these same tools to sculpt multiple layers of a patient's abdominal fat to accentuate the natural abdominal muscle lines. Based on the patient's preferences, the sculpting can be tailored for softer, shallower abs or a more defined and chiseled look, <laughs> as well as improving the definition of hip lines. If you can't, if you haven't stepped foot in a gym in your life and can't imagine the torture of performing even a single sit-up, this procedure is not going to turn you into a fitness model overnight. The study included 50 patients in total... Um, who are already in excellent shape thanks to healthy diets and regular exercise, but struggled with shedding unwanted deposits of belly fat specifically. Hmm. And even if you could get this procedure, you still have to maintain a healthy lifestyle, including rigorous exercise to maintain the definition of the newly enhanced ab lines. You unfortunately can't walk out of the hospital and slump back down on the couch for six months and expect to keep the definition permanently, they say. So I will now show you a photo Uh of what this looks like. Um, so just quick recap: They take your belly fat, yeah. Do liposuction, but then move it around in certain places so it looks like you have sculpted abs, but it's actually fat. Gross. And it looks like this.
0: I don't. Oh.
1: Does that look real to you?
0: Not really. That's ooh. I don't think that's better. I mean, it's better, but it's just like. <laughs> No, uh, (laughs) stop
1: showing showing it to to me.
0: It's gross. It's that just doesn't look right.
1: The female version looks fine.
0: Yeah, those look fine. I just like the. I feel like if you have to keep up a lifestyle of rigorous exercise anyway, then just like I don't know, put in a few more (laughs) like years or whatever, like. (laughs) Just keep trying.
1: (laughs) My next question was, yes or no, would you do this if it was free? Free? Yeah, if it was free.
0: I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like I'd get liposuction if it was free. Just like, hey, get a little of the extra stuff out of there, and then I can, like, focus on maintaining. That'd be cool. I don't think I want them to, like, move it around. Like, just if you're in there, get it out. I don't want (laughs) you to put some of it, in like, on my muscles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's weird.
1: yeah. I know for me, I just was like, this seems, I don't know. Like, wouldn't it not look the same as actual real? No. It's going to look like just something weird. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I feel like even people with like real abs, there's not like a, they don't pop out as much (laughs) like as that picture made it look like.
1: Like this picture is just is like the guy's like a normal surface and there's these like bulges that are like not
0: They're almost like sculpted fat rolls really <laughs> is what they look like, which I guess is technically what that is they what are. they are. And it's just it, it's just kind of strange. It's
1: like instead of just having just a uniform fat layer it's like they sculpted it. I don't yeah,
0: know. No, I don't I don't want that either.
1: No. I don't I, <laughs> I also, it's interesting. also I don't the know. the
0: phrase abdominal etching just is just ugh Makes me think of just like carving. Yeah, it, make, it makes me like, like carving stuff, which, which is, is like mm. not what they're doing, but it is a little bit what they're doing, and I don't like it. So that's a no for me for <laughs> <Okay>. abdominal etching. <laughs> I think etching. I'm, I'm
1: gonna vote no too for abdominal yeah. etching. All right. So we vote no for abdominal etching.
0: And now it's illegal.
1: <laughs> it's illegal in this house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's illegal in this recording studio, which is in a house. <laughs> <laughs> My first story is food news. This comes from Quartz. The first cell cultured meat will cost about $50.
1: Wait, the first what?
0: Cell cultured meat.
1: Cell cultured meat? Like meat grown in a lab?
0: Yes. Lab grown meat.
1: Whoa! Uh,.
0: On April 15th, Bruce Friedrich, the executive director of the Good Food Institute, which is a nonprofit organization that supports cell-cultured meat startups, gave a TED Talk to a room in Vancouver, uh, Canada, about how cell-cultured meats might one day feed the global population the meat it craves only grown from cells in bioreactors without all the environmental degradation that comes with raising and slaughtering livestock. Uh, and in an interview after his speech, he estimated a price of a about $50 for a burger with this meat when it first becomes available commercially. Um, but he also added in a later interview that the first meat could easil, just as easily be chicken, fish, or something else. Because he says the process is the same for all of it. So like, oh. he can't imagine a significant price difference. So a piece of fish could maybe be about the same amount. Uh, with this technique Hmm. Um, and he said he thinks uh, cell-cultured meats will become available in limited spots in 2020 Uh, a little history on cell-cultured meat in 2013 mark post a dutch scientist and co-founder of mosa meats became the first person in the world to make a cell-cultured beef burger Uh, the process he used was really expensive taking three lab technicians about three months to nurture the 20,000 fibers of the burger, which resulted in meat costing about $1.2 million per pound. <laughs> <laughs> so when Little you think high. about it, $50, is a pretty good deal. Yeah. And the, the price has obviously come down a lot since then. In March 2017, Memphis Meats told the Wall Street Journal that it had gotten the price of a pound of meat of a cell-cultured chicken, specifically, down to $9,000 per pound. And then a year later, they announced that the price had dropped to below $1,000 per pound. So it's it's rapidly dropping. Um, early this year, the Israeli-based company LF Farms told reporters they'd gotten a beef patty down to around $100 per pound. So I'm imagining that's where this guy is kind of getting his estimate. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's about what we can expect to uh, pay when this first becomes av- available. And I can only imagine it'll keep going down from there.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
0: Until it becomes much more reasonable to produce. And-
1: wow. I can't believe they're finally going to have lab grown meat yeah. so weird and cool and i really want to just try it and see what it tastes like and it's
0: it's interesting too cuz i wonder if people who are ethically opposed to meat like yeah. would be willing to have this because it's not harmful to anything yeah. it's and it's environmentally friendly like maybe we don't need something like a plant based burger if this is an option or they can both exist or they I can guess. But yeah like,
1: but you're right yeah, um
0: because i feel like a lot of people's objection to meat is usually ethical yeah and this wouldn't be
1: and then this probably the next reason is like the environmental impact
0: which is also would be good which for also the is yeah so it's pretty Very cool interesting yeah <laughs> it's kind of I, i'd kind of forgotten that it, it was even a thing um like with all the talk of impossible workers and that yeah. kind of thing now we've got we've got t- two potential options coming up yeah and this will be the real thing
1: that's cool. It's cool how how quickly Impossible Burger has kind of like spread. Yes. I think it's yeah. like everywhere now. Well, I've I don't heard know a if lot. Noticed of, that I've heard
0: a lot about the Burger King thing that we talked about before. Mm. Like a lot of people are talking about how it's coming to a real fast food restaurant. I think that's going to make a big difference. And like I feel like there's probably a, a slight cultural stigma right now towards non traditional meat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I I think the more it gets into the mainstream, the better.
1: I agree. Um, but I imagine like that has sort of set the groundwork for this type of thing. So yeah. if a lab grown option becomes commercially available, I think it'll probably spread quickly as well.
0: Yeah. And I, like, I can't imagine a lot of places will differentiate between the two because it's like it is just, it's meat. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would really care where it came from at this point.
1: Yeah. All right. My next story is science news. And this is from National Geographic. With the help of charged particles originating from space, a team in India has, for the first time, accurately measured the electric properties of a giant thundercloud. Since 2001, physicists in India have been using a special telescope called (laughs) (laughs) GRAPES-3. It's an acronym, I don't know. (laughs) It's it's no
0: event horizon, I guess.
1: (laughs) Um, They've been using it to monitor subatomic particles called muons m u o n s have you heard of that before
0: it's a particle that makes up cows
1: yeah no it's really not i don't, I don't it's a, it's like a it's like a particle from space um apparently cascades of these naturally occurring particles rain down on earth when cosmic rays from the distant universe hit our upper atmosphere mm-hmm. isn't that interesting yeah Intriguingly, the highly sensitive Grapes 3 instrument (laughs) often detected slight decreases in the muon shower intensity between April and June and again between September and November. Um, These are times when the subtropical regions received highest rainfall. So they started correlating like the falling of these particles with rain. Mm -hmm. So muons carry negative charge, meaning that their paths are distorted by electric fields. The researchers wondered if that property could be used to calculate how much energy thunderclouds contained. And then they actually did this.
0: And then they did it. And then
1: they did and it. They did it. Uh, some background. Back in 1929, Nobel Prize winning physicist Charles Thompson Reese Wilson <laughs> measured wow. the electric field inside a thundercloud and found it to be surprisingly large 12,700 volts per inch, which is a lot. Hmm. This implied that the storms, which can stretch for miles, should have enormous total electric potentials of around a gigavolt. So, like, a a whole storm. Like, he just measured it in one cloud. So, a whole storm would be, like, way more than that. And he estimated that it was the equivalent of nearly a billion AA batteries worth of electric charge.
0: That's a, uh, lot, that's a lot better. Yeah.
1: Um, but measuring voltage across an object usually requires placing two wires at either end, and nobody had figured out how to do that for a large and amorphous <laughs> thing like a storm cloud. Yeah. Uh, airplane and balloon experiments, which have flown through thunderstorms taking readings, uh, found electric potentials of tens of millions of volts, with the largest previously recorded event having 130 million volts. So now one of these study co-authors devised a model that determined how powerful an electric field would need to be to alter the number of muons detected in the GRAPES 3 telescope. So, working backward, the team could then use their muon observations to estimate the electric field inside the clouds. So, they like, you know, that's how they did it. Uh-huh. Um, because the muon based measurements can see large areas of the clouds, they are more accurate than plane or balloon borne experiments because those, like, you only are it's measuring kind of like like a, a small part of it. Yeah. yeah, it's like a point measurement versus kind of like a larger mm-hmm. sampling. So, in the GRAPES3 data, the researchers saw the electrical effects of 184 thunderstorms over the course of three years. And the muons indicated that one particular storm, which appeared um, in December of 2014, briefly contained an electric potential of nearly 1.8 gigavolts, which is enough to run all of New York City for half an hour. Hmm. And that was, like, the largest one ever measured.
0: So, you need to find a way to take that whole cloud... Shove it in a battery. Yes. <laughs> boom. That's
1: the next... P- boom. I solved it. P- pun intended. Boom.
0: I solved electricity. <laughs> this is what Benjamin so, Franklin dreamed of.
1: Yeah. Hey, well, so, yeah, so the point of all this, so they've just published the results of all of their observations, and they have this new way of measuring the electric potential in the storms, and it's, like, basically has shown that other measurements have underestimated it, yeah. really. And, like, they're getting, like, more accurate measurements of this now. And it's kind of insane how much electricity is in
0: thunderstorms. It's like, a lot. Wow. Don't go up there. If you can fly, don't, can don't fly harness up there. Can that? I don't know. Can't. I feel like we probably don't have a battery that could hold that much right now.
1: Not one battery, but maybe if we just uh, a get billion. a billion batteries yeah. hooked up to one billion system batteries. somehow. and A billion batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I thought this was cool, and uh, we'll see what else they will figure out from these muons, I guess. I've just <laughs> never heard of a muon before, so that was interesting. Um, yeah, apparently the muons are falling from space all the time.
0: I hope they're, I hope they're friendly. So. My next story is also science news. This comes from the Seattle Times. Uh, and sorry, this one I don't know if this will be gross to people, but I think it's really okay. fascinating. Well, we
1: already had one kind of gross one with the the ab sculpting. So Yeah,
0: and also the slab grown meat. I don't know. That might grow some people <laughs> out too. But uh this one's probably the worst. Uh Washington may become first state to legalize human composting.
1: Ew. <laughs> Whoa, what? That's so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this.
0: All right, we'll see. We'll see how you feel about it after I read my okay. this story here. Okay. Uh, Washington is just a governor's signature away from becoming the first state in the U.S. to legalize the quote natural organic reduction of human remains, uh, colloquial no, colloquially known as composting. Uh, natural organic reduction is a slightly friendlier way of saying it, I guess. Okay. Uh, last Friday, the state Senate and House of Representatives finalized their approval of Bill 5001, titled. concerning human remains, which enshrines organic reduction and alkaline hydrolysis, which is a dissolving process sometimes known as uh, liquid cremation, as acceptable alternatives to traditional burial and cremation. So basically the law would make it legal to do this. Okay. That's how laws work. (laughs) 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 Passage... of the bill fulfills a long-time hope for Seattle-based Katrina Spade, uh, who is uh, the founder and CEO of a company called Recompose, which aspires to be the first natural organic reduction funeral home in the U.S. Um, this is a years-long effort she's made to realize her vision for an urban, soil-based, ecologically friendly uh, death care option. It's the opposite of healthcare, care, I guess. Uh she has worked with scientists in eastern Washington and North Carolina to study how human bodies decompose in soil. And I mentioned this was like with people who volunteered their remains for this study, so it wasn't like they're just finding bodies or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, the studies demonstrated that the resulting compost met and sometimes exceeded the state and federal safety standards for pathogens and metals that can be dangerous to humans, animals, or nearby plants, which means they could, you could use it in your own garden. They also noted in here that it uh, doesn't smell. It just smells like soil. So that's a pleasant part of it. I was thinking that too. Yeah, but, so it doesn't smell okay. like a dead body. Um, and then Troy Hoddle, a postdoctoral fellow with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, says, in an urban environment, which is where the global population is growing and land use is at a premium, it's the most efficient and environmentally sound method of burial. So it's it's very ecologically friendly and like graveyards are kind of a huge waste of space in a way. That's kind of a callous way to put it but uh,
1: yeah well, it's an al- it is it's a, an alternative it's a, a growing um, problem of space for sure that we have to figure out a solution to yeah. and this is an option a, yeah I,
0: I think it's a pretty cool one. Um, the rest of the article was a bunch of people talking about how excited they are to be <laughs> composted. So I didn't. I kind of left that out. (laughs) Uh, If you want to read it, we'll obviously attach the article. But uh, some people are really excited about the potential to be used to like harvest a or uh, to compost a tree or like put the composted remains around a tree or something that like can live on through future generations. And
1: Um, that no, that's that's very cool. Um, I heard of that like something similar. um, Some company that like I think they cremate the remains and then put it in like a tree pot or something
0: yeah there's a it's called bio urn yeah i think yeah, the yeah. company might be thinking of they so they take like traditionally cremated remains and use that uh to i think they usually put like a tree seed in it or something and then they essentially plant the urn which is like compostable itself yeah and eventually a tree will grow which i think is pretty cool but I this is just like even is, a step farther
1: yeah fascinating <laughs> yeah on a completely different note, my next story is food news. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> and this is from foodandwine.com. <laughs> and it's about McDonald's. Yeah. While McDonald's may be a favorite... Anthony's still having. While McDonald's may be a favorite fast food of many Americans, the brand also has a major international presence. Approximately 23,000 of its 37,000 locations are outside the U.S. With that comes the opportunity to cater to different palates and food traditions in countries and communities around the world. According to information obtained by Business Insider in the first part of June, four, quote, worldwide favorites will hit McDonald's locations nationwide. Ooh. Those products include Spain's Grand Mick Extreme Bacon Burger, oh. which is a quarter pounder topped with bacon, bacon sauce. I don't know what that bacon sauce is, but bacon sauce, gouda cheese, and onions. Uh, the second thing is Canada's tomato mozzarella chicken sandwich with a tomato herb sauce. That one's kind of like, meh, whatever. Was like, what like, what that, why what, is that exciting? I was hoping okay. for like
0: a poutine <laughs> burger or something.
1: Right? But then listen to this. Australia's Cheesy Bacon Fries. Why don't they have Canadian poutine? I don't know.
0: Don't I thought it was the same thing. Yeah. And what, what cheesy what, bacon fries? Why is that does, what, is, what does that have to do with Australia? I don't know. I want a kangaroo meat burger.
1: Yeah. They're just why failing. isn't that or, happening? Ooh,
0: like a, a, an emu burger. I've Wallaby had, burger? I've had emu before. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, why don't they have that?
0: That would be much like, more what Australian. Is
1: this? Cheesy bacon fries? That's not Australian. That's not
0: Australian. That sounds American to me.
1: I know. Okay, but this is the best one. The fourth one. Okay. The Netherlands. Stroop Waffle McFlurry—that
0: I'm on board with.
1: Oh my goodness! That I sounds, want one.
0: I, I want one right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, and apparently, McDonald's tested some of these products in South Florida last year, and they seem to be using the data from that to support this national rollout okay. of these fun products on the menu
0: well, one fun and, product and well, one then of some them, other ones one
1: of yeah re- really it's just the mcflurry
0: it's the main one yeah um
1: and like everyone on like twitter and facebook and stuff is just talking about the mcflurry now like <laughs> i just want that <laughs> so um, i mean it's
0: got everything it's fun to say and waffles are tasty yeah and who doesn't like ice cream
1: it's just all good things yeah rolled into one yeah so whenever that comes out hopefully i'll remember maybe i'll bring in some samples and we can eat it on the show yes yes please that'll be really fun yes okay yes sounds good
0: good yes all right my yeah. next story is business news i feel like we almost need to have like a segment that's just like knickknack news presents job openings because <laughs> weird job openings. That's weird. Um, i love that segment this is, have that. <laughs> this is from mental floss uh, Bear, and that's the company, the paint company, B-E-H-R, not, like, the animal. This is not Bear News. Uh, <laughs> will, will pay someone $10,000 to travel the U.S. and Canada in search of new paint colors. What? what? Bear wants to pay a, quote, color explorer uh, $10,000 to visit vibrant destinations across the U.S. and Canada in search of new hues that will ultimately be turned into actual Bear paints.
1: That sounds amazing. Doesn't it?
0: Uh, so this is from the job description. The bear color explorer will kayak the glacial blues of Lake Louise in Bonf, uh, Banff, uh, B-A-N-F-F, which is an Alberta, Canada. I never heard of it. Uh, people watch at a vibrant music festival, take in the bold exteriors of Charleston's rainbow row and experience many more moments of positively pigmented wanderlust in between. Which sounds really cool. Um, <laughs> Throughout their, trip, throughout their trip, the color explorer will take field notes and plenty of photos and document their experiences on uh, Bear's blog and social media. After seeing all there is to see, this person will head to the company's headquarters in Orange County, California, to work with Bear's marketing team on naming the new colors they uncovered. Uh, they say the ideal color explorer will be adventurous, adve- interested in color, and knowledgeable about the latest trends. Uh, and in addition to providing a ten thousand dollars stipend, the company will also cover all travel expenses, accommodation, and experiences. Doesn't that sound awesome?
1: Uh, that sounds like the life.
0: So you can apply for this on their website by writing a short description of the color that inspires you the most <laughs> before uh, the May fifteenth deadline. So you've got you've got like a. Couple weeks to to get your uh, application in. You must be at least twenty one years old and a resident of the U.S. or Canada, and you must have a valid passport.
1: How long is the period of time?
0: Uh, I don't think they actually said.
1: It's not indefinite, right? It's like a, no, probably no, no, like no, a no. It six sounds like it sounds like a one time,
0: one time deal. But you get ten thousand dollars, and they pay for all of your travel expenses. Which yeah, sounds, just
1: that on its own is right. just, like, amazing.
0: Yeah, just getting some money on top of that even is just, is just that's just ice, Yeah, I would all think.
1: travel expenses and experiences. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, oh, I want to go hike this remote thing and I need to get there and, like, yeah. get this ticket or get or this if I need Or if
0: you want to, like, get a tour of something or, like, the music festival, like they said, yeah. I imagine they pay for all that, too.
1: That is so cool. That's, that sounds like such oh a cool job. Oh, my gosh, don't think, like, what would that be like? Okay, let's pretend that we're doing this job. Okay. The water here, I take out my journal. The yes. water here is crystal blue. I'm already terrible You've got at this the job. job.
0: <laughs> You've got it, Alex. This is actually a secret interview. Uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> these trees sure have green leaves. Gonna write that one down right here.
1: The white of those mountains is not pure white, but. A grayish it's,
0: white. It's <laughs> pretty close.
1: This is harder than... This is really I difficult. Think, yeah.
0: That building is painted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wait, wait. They said a different marketing team is going to come up with the color names. So what are you doing? Just taking photos? are just taking
0: notes and photos and, I guess, updating their social media, it sounds like.
1: Just, like, take pictures of, like, that's a colorful dress. Like
0: <laughs> I guess so
1: that's a colorful sign in this festival. Like, I don't...
0: They just want you to find new ones, new colors.
1: Yeah, this is probably really hard.
0: This probably would actually be really difficult. Yeah.
1: I I, I don't know. Which I makes know. me a little
0: skeptical, of the fact that all you have to do to apply is tell them, like, what your favorite, like, how your favorite color inspires you or whatever. That seems... Like, not like much anyone of a, could not do not that. Like a good well, job.
1: They, they also did say that you need to have knowledge of the latest trends which i'm guessing what that means is that you have to know what like what's the newest like pantone whatever colors mm. and stuff like that yeah which the only reason yeah. i don't even know what that is is because i planned a wedding a few years ago and that was mm. a thing
0: pantone. <laughs> so, Yep. yeah that sounds right
1: <laughs> so i know that millennial pink is in right now but oh, that's yeah. about it
0: is it still though
1: millennial pink and rose gold
0: are, rose- are like the are they colors still, of the
1: year or something
0: are they still though
1: I don't know, but they were a few so months like, ago.
0: I was going to say, I feel like they've been in style for a while now. Maybe they, maybe we've moved on. I have no idea. This is why I want to be good for this job.
1: I think we had, didn't wasn't this like a sto- one of our stories last year? was like uh, the probably. 2018 color of the year was like millennial pink or something. I have this vague probably. memory of that yeah, being that something right. we talked about on this show. That's probably the only reason why I know this.
0: <laughs> there are numerous facts that I only know because of this show.
1: <laughs> Me too. All right. It's time for breaking news. <gasps> the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Move on. Ready, set, go. go! Okay. Uh, I found a story on the BBC and the headline is exhilarating implant turns thoughts to speech. Oh. Scientists have developed a brain implant that can read people's minds and turn their thoughts to speech.
0: This sounds familiar.
1: It's finally happened.
0: Didn't we just talk about this? Huh? Not this specifically, but we talked about something with like um an implant that could like determine, it like read numbers or something, is able to like look at brainwaves. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So now they've got it doing speech already?
1: They have it doing speech now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That was, like, a couple weeks ago.
1: So, but that was, I think that the mechanism for that might have been different.
0: Okay. Sorry. I actually don't
1: remember. You're right. I totally forgot about that. You're right. Do you remember how that one worked? No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I I don't remember how that one worked. But this one, it says, it actually is using, like, okay, it's looking at the parts of the brain that would stimulate to move your mouth in a certain
0: way. Oh. Instead of
1: looking at, like your thoughts somehow
0: right i think sense. that one looked at like patterns of brain activity but not specifically mouth yeah movement. i think
1: you're right i think it was like sometimes it, it learned from certain patterns of brain activity
0: right it was like, tra- yeah it was. it was trained on people like when they were saying certain things okay mm-hmm. yeah sorry i just yeah I was like this sounds familiar
1: <laughs> yeah 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 no you're right so so this one Maybe that one, it was the same thing, but just described differently. Mm. It's possible. So this one, they specifically say that they looked at the signals from the parts of the brain that maneuver the lips, tongue, voice box, and jaw. So like that part of the brain that's actually moving that stuff, they took the signals from that and translated it into speech. Okay. So, um, and apparently they tried it this way because if you do it like the other way of just looking at the whole brain for patterns of electric signals that code certain words, that's a lot harder to do. And it's had like limited success apparently in like mm-hmm. prior studies and stuff. So that's why they tried to do this instead. And this actually got apparently is pretty successful. Um, and they have a recording here of an example, which, you know, they say it's like not crystal clear, but like, if you know what the sentence is supposed to be, you can't hear it. Okay. So like, what does it sound like? I'll don't play it.
0: Don't tell me the sentence yet.
1: You, oh, you don't want me to tell you the sentence. Okay.
0: I want to see if I I'll can play figure it
1: out. into the, I'll play it into the microphone. Okay.
0: The friend that you are seeing is unknowable in moves. The friend that you are seeing is
1: unknowable in moves. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to do it
0: one more time? One more time.
1: The proof that
0: you are seeking is available in books. I'm no more or less confident in my answer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, it, in phonetically similar, what you said okay. is phonetically similar to what it is. So, the sentence was supposed to be: the proof that you are seeking is not available in books.
0: Okay. So I was a little off. Yeah. <laughs> I so, heard unknowable is like the one word I was like, I really thought I heard, but.
1: And it's seeking, but it sounded like seeing.
0: Yeah. Which is fair. That's so ap-
1: apparently with like short, abrupt sounds like the "buh" and like cut and stuff, mm-hmm. it's harder for right. it to know those sounds for some reason. Yeah. Um,
0: I imagine people who right. read lips probably struggle with similar ones too.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so they're they're developing this. It's actually like pretty close to actually being decipherable, I guess. Like, I mean, you know? like,
0: I mean, with some refinement, I imagine they could get to something um, pretty pretty close to human speech.
1: So yeah, they they're they're saying that this could help with people that have had like certain injuries that they like physically can't speak anymore, but like their brain isn't that part of their brain is still functioning. So like. If because had, how would like, that work? Because it's, like,
0: it's tied to mouth movements, but if you're not moving your mouth, is, it, is your brain still making, is like sending those signals, even though...
1: I guess. Yeah, because one of the things they list here is like neurogenerative diseases, such as Parkinson's and MS, mm-hmm. which can sometimes affect your ability to speak clearly. But I think your brain is still maybe like at the origin of the signals, it's still there, but it's not like making it, yeah. I guess, all the way to the muscles. Interesting. I don't
0: know okay my story is for anyone who was disappointed that my bear news wasn't actual bear news because this is actual bear news bear news <laughs> the headline is colorado couple wakes to bear trying to get into bedroom i feel like most of our bear stories are just about bear break bears breaking <laughs> in, into people's houses
1: in colorado <laughs> yeah,
0: mostly in a colorado. lot of them are in colorado
1: have you noticed that <laughs> yes
0: this that's true i hadn't i hadn't thought of that a Colorado couple woke early on Tuesday morning to loud noises on their bedroom deck and looked out to discover the culprit, a bear. <laughs> <The> <laughs> what do you know? The residents said that they looked out the window when the noises woke them up in the wee hours of the morning, and uh, came, I don't know why I said it like that, <laughs> and uh, came face to face with a black bear trying to claw its way inside. Uh, the bear's attempted break-in was recorded by the couple's security camera. Uh, we tried to make loud noises, but he didn't really react. He just kind of started walking off into the darkness when he realized he wasn't going to get inside," said the owners. So hmm. it was both. <laughs> it wasn't a very determined bear, I guess. I guess. <laughs> That's really it. It wasn't much. There wasn't much of the story. I just always well, appreciate a bear break in.
1: It didn't get in. Yeah. because uh, that could have been bad. Yeah. If they like didn't wake up, I don't know. And it just was like they woke up and it was in their bedroom.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would have probably been a worse surprise. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I'm glad that ended okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description.
0: You can subscribe to Nick Mac News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever other app you'd like to use. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news and on Twitter at at Nick Mac News.